Beyond the Books is a podcast from the School of Literatures, Languages and Cultures at the University of Edinburgh that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at research and the people who make it happen. This week we are talking to Katie Hawthorne. Katie is a final year PhD student in European theatre and German and she's also a freelance writer and reviewer for The Guardian, The Skinny and The Stage among others. Like our previous conversation with David Farrier, this episode of Beyond the Books was recorded in lockdown via Skype. It replaces a pre-COVID interview with Katie Hawthorne that I refer to in an earlier conversation with Rachel Chung. Katie's thesis is a comparative study of Scottish and German theatre and the audiences in a digital age. And as you'll hear us talk about, um, it's rapidly evolving to take into account changes in the industry brought on by COVID-19. It was really lovely to have Katie on. I'd not actually seen her in I think about seven or eight weeks. Um, So it was great to catch up and to hear about her final sprint for the PhD submission finish line. As always, I hope you're all staying safe and keeping well. Thank you very much to Katie for coming on and thank you to all of you for listening to us and for all of your lovely feedback. It's really appreciated. Enjoy the episode. Um, I was just wondering if we could kick off with you giving a little summary of uh, how you came to LLC and what exactly is you're working on at the moment? Yes, Um, my coming to the LLC is probably pretty common in that I moved to Edinburgh to do a master's in 2014 and as part of that the supervisor I was given for my dissertation project was Laura Bradley who's now my supervisor and I hadn't got any thought of doing a PhD at that point Um, I graduated from my master's and then you know a year went on and I was still in touch with Laura and she was you know asking me if I was thinking about any researchy things and I was and we just kind of very slowly kind of arrived at the idea that I might want to come back and study and then I put together some funding applications and yeah it was really bit by bit so I kind of came to the LLC stepped away stepped back in again and here I still am um, and uh, but in the LLC I'm split between um, the German department with my supervisor Professor Laura Bradley um, the English department with Annette Lang and then um, kind of the theatre playwriting subsection of the English department I suppose um with Nicola McCartney and I am very lucky to have all three of these amazing people supervise me because my project is quite interdisciplinary there wasn't like an obvious home for it I guess and so what I do is over the last years now I have been looking at Edinburgh and Berlin as cities um and using uh kind of four years worth of data on uh, theatre performances and going to shows and interviewing people um, and so on to figure out if there is ah oh, can I start again um, <laughs> so what it is that I do what is it that I do uh, please keep this in <laughs> yeah, you honestly it's very much how I feel uh, all right one last go <laughs> here we go all right so my PhD is about liveness um, that kind of for some people like magical sensation that you get at like a live event and kind of very hard to quantify exactly what that is and a lot of the scholarship that has worked on doing that thus far has been very broad it's been very like grand philosophically it's it's often put liveness um kind of in the context of we didn't know what we had until we could record other stuff so 
we have live and then we have the not live is often how that kind of logic tends to go. Edinburgh and Berlin as cities that have lots of theatre in them to examine how liveness might be different in different contexts, how different funding structures, for example, might shape how an audience or a theatre maker um, considers what is live or what isn't live. And ultimately, I'm trying to kind of step away from that binary idea of things that are either like a live performance or they're like a dead performance, I suppose. Uh, So, yeah, that's my PhD in a nutshell. A very good and very clear nutshell. And we got there in the end. Maybe exciting is the wrong word. Stressful, stressful, exciting time for this um, research. And for you personally in the in the COVID-19 pandemic, um, a lot has kicked off and changed very, very quickly. And you wrote a really excellent article for the stage about how live streaming, <laughs> it was so good, I was so proud, about how live streaming can help shape the post-COVID-19 theatre industry. Um, and in that article, you wrote that liveness isn't magic dust, although it often feels like it. Liveness is economically driven, culturally specific, and tied to existing infrastructures, which I thought was a really, really gorgeous quote. Um, I guess the question, and maybe it's a a simple one, but I wanted to ask you anyway, what happens to liveness when those factors collapse or move radically beyond what we've known in our lifetimes, do you think? Yeah, it is very stressful at the moment. I'd come to it in a couple of parts, I think. Firstly, um, that the change that is happening right now with kind of performance and ideas of liveness and digital technologies, um, everything's happening so fast. And for me to be in the last literally like maybe two months of my thesis, what a time for that to happen. So <laughs> on the one hand, it's amazing. Um, but on the other, it's it's kind of, yeah, stressfully exciting as a researcher to see kind of everything that I've been thinking about come into the mainstream, I okay. suppose. Um, yeah and and for example I'm currently in the middle of participating in a theatre festival in Berlin (laughs) from my bedroom in Edinburgh that I've actually been attending as a researcher for the last four years wasn't planning to go this year because I thought I'd be done and lo and behold they make a virtual version so that's exactly the kind of thing I've been researching and yeah it's incredible and stressful Um, in terms of your question about the thing that I wrote um I don't think those contexts have collapsed I think it's or at least they haven't yet um you know a lot of the decisions being made about what to do with theatre and if you should put it online or not during this time is still economically driven for example it's one of the central questions for a lot of people you know how do I how does my livelihood reshape itself under these conditions so I definitely don't think that those contexts have gone away it's just that they are heightened some are really heightened (laughs) you know and some are maybe less so um but I I yeah I still firmly believe that context kind of underpins how we come to these performances how we consider them to be live um right down to what people ask us to pay for them or if they don't or if um you know to like facilitate like a live chat afterwards or like use a hashtag on twitter to like unite all the watchers all of those things to me are like different um tools you can use to make something feel alive but you'll just shift them depending on what the context is if that makes sense so yeah yeah. (laughs) 
you said in your um, in your article that your advice to theatres or theatre makers would be rethink, choose carefully, and finally, hospitality, 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 which I think is a particularly um, important point. Not that it's not important nationally or elsewhere, but in the context of Edinburgh and the Edinburgh Festival and the huge amount of economic and accommodation insecurity that comes with that. Um, and one question I wanted to ask are what are the ways... Um, that Edinburgh as a city and you know, Edinburgh Fringe as a whole need to rethink and reshape, reshape not reshape, their relationship <laughs> to theatre moving forward? Yeah, God, that's a massive question. Mm, um, sorry. No, I mean, I wish I knew the answer. Uh, yeah. I, I would be in demand if I did. Um, <laughs> I think... I think one of the things that's becoming quite apparent is that things are going to be smaller for a while, right? Like, even in, you know, maybe the what feels like quite a distant future. I feel like the goalposts are, sh- are changing all the time as well at the moment, right? Like, yeah. it went from being like, oh, maybe things would open in June to being like, well, maybe things will open in September to maybe things will open next year. So it's hard to say whilst everything's still shifting. But what is quite clear is that when you know live arts experiences the performing arts do come back in a way that we recognize them they're gonna have to be different you can't just go squishing um thousand people in a room <laughs> for a while I assume so or at least until we find a vaccine so arts companies of all kinds you know music as well like dance opera sports like club nights like everyone will have to be reckoning reckoning with like how we gather differently um and that will obviously apply to the festivals as well. But um, there were, you know, there have been some other like efforts made at the Edinburgh festivals over the last few years to still perform without that kind of gathering that we think is necessary to these events, or we tend to think is necessary. So um, for various reasons, like some performers, because of a hostile environment, weren't able to get visas. So they find alternative ways of performing at the festival or having work presented at the festival using digital technologies so they can still be present but not have to wrestle with the home office or um, a Canadian artist last year didn't want to make the trip to Edinburgh put on a show in the traditional way because of her carbon footprint she was trying to just not fly and so she was using similar technologies to um, present a show and using performers local to Edinburgh who would have been here anyway to like stand in for her each mm-hmm. night so trying to find like yeah politically or so or like uh econo- what was I politically or like climate crisis related problems mm-hmm. I'm not saying this right trying yeah. to solve existing existing problems you know um yep but still putting on a performance that's what I'm trying to get to and yeah. so in some ways this isn't new it's just not, it's just hitting everybody yeah. <laughs> in a way that hostile borders don't always and about how like essentially a lot of performers or practitioners or people are kind of playing catch up with models that have been there mm. that, you know that predate them or that are pre-existing um and it just reminded me of something that you put on twitter um <laughs> <laughs> yes i've been stalking uh-uh. the timeline. <laughs> it's okay um but the, at the start of your research so back in 2016 um a lot of the theatres that you follow, particularly in a um, that you profile, sorry, particularly in a in the Berlin side of things, actually had quite a limited social media presence. Um, and you said that even with free wine, the Tertertreffen, I can't speak German, I'm sorry, 
couldn't persuade people to watch recordings of the plays and now obviously yeah. fast forward four years and you're you're sitting yeah. at a virtual festival in your bedroom um and yep. things look very very different uh right now um and we you were kind of leaping back to what you said at the start but I mean how obviously from a sort of research and practical perspective that was very mm-hmm. stressful but do you think that this is sort of a big sign of the direction that research on these kind of models is going to need to take I think well for one I you know I spent, when I saw the announcement that the theatre checkpoint was going fully virtual this year despite a couple of years ago literally trying to bribe people to go and see your <laughs> play with mine um it was great I don't know why more people didn't take it up it's the kind of and it's the kind of thing that people in the UK would pay like 25 quid for so um <laughs> It was fascinating to me that they had such a difficult time trying to convince people to go. Um, yeah, and now I'm sitting at my desk in Edinburgh taking part in the Theatre Treffin virtually, just literally two years later, I think. It's mad. Um, but I don't, I think it's definitely a good thing for me. Oh, I'm trying to see it as a good thing that I started researching how that festival dealt with live streams and other types of like presentations of, of theatre a good few years ago because yeah. I have the baseline of things to compare it to, you know, for this big shift. So I'm trying to count my blessings rather than just being like, oh God, yeah. um, for one. So that's quite good. But I do wish I hadn't literally just finished an article called live streaming at the Theatre Treff in 2016 to 19. <laughs> that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel <laughs> very timely anymore, gotta say, but uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> that'll just be an update to that, I guess, next year. But um, what can you do? Uh, but whether it's like the shape of things to come I'm not sure like part of me worries that this huge shift online during the pandemic is only going to result in a kind of backlash later I think a lot of people are expecting digital tools to work miracles at this moment in time and unless you know with like any getting to know it and you know feeling comfortable with it and figuring out what it can do for you and what it can't you know the rewards aren't immediate and so what I wouldn't want to see is everyone jump online now be like why hasn't this fixed the pandemic do you know mm. and then and then next year everyone will be like oh I hate digital do you remember when we all tried it and it was terrible do you know like I don't want that either so yeah part of me is excited part of me is feeling quite cautious I think yes. about the future <laughs> You said, and this struck, um, I'm going to sound like such a Twitter creep by the end of this, but that about the reaction, <laughs> no, I, I literally am a Twitter creep, so it's on brand, but um, the, the reactionary <laughs> screens are not theatres op-eds, um, and mm. like that struck me as really interesting because, you know, I mean, yeah, screens are not theatres, and it comes back to what you said, uh, should we expect them to be? Is there a danger of us expecting that screens can replicate the theatre in a yeah. very weird global context totally and like you know you can get amazing theatre from your screen or like lots of theatres you you know traditional like brick and mortar theatres use screens within they're not uh mutually exclusive you know or like incompatible it's just and this it's unprecedented i have to use the most boring word word in the world just now (laughs) what's happened you know like people were preparing to put their work online like the work wasn't made for this context people are adapting and that's great but that's not the same thing as making something bespoke do you know or like really having the time and the 
mental capacity and the resources to like explore what digital formats could do for your art do you know Mm -hmm. so um it's not it doesn't feel like a fair test to me no No. (laughs) um but then again you know I it's it might show some people that it can provide like a financial income for artists great but I'm still not quite sure if that's actually happening so (laughs) well yeah that's the big question it's interesting uh with that the kind of debate around productivity and a need to be productive or a need to be creative and just this sort of constant social media narrative of oh take the time to to finish that play and Hmm. um you know finish the thesis in our case and I've I've watched so many incredible I watched the Dear Island theatre series from the Abbey on YouTube last week which is really fantastic um and obviously plays from the national and there's been a lot but I just wonder if, if you know, the fact that everyone now is attempting to move online, as you say, um, you have the reactionary um, side of things. But also, I, I can't help thinking of people who maybe just can't work or who feel kind of blocked or stunted by it or who need to be in a, in a theatre space and with other people physically to be able to create art. Um, and I just worry sometimes, that, you know, is that a barrier of some sort? Oh. Absolutely, yeah, and like you know, if you're now suddenly like homeschooling your kids, oh, like yeah. do you know, like my mum's always wished I'd had a kid by now, and at the moment, yeah, thank God, do you know, like I have nothing but absolute respect to my friends that are now having to like juggle their work with you know twenty four seven childcare and a curriculum. Wow, yeah. you know, like madness. No, of course you can't work. <laughs> <laughs> is when uh you know of course you can't like of course you can't and also um pandemics turn out it turns out that they're really stressful (laughs) and like even if you know your income is all right and you don't have any immediate care duties you're still worrying about the state of things and you know I don't think we should be pushing ourselves people keep saying what an amazing time to finish your thesis yeah stupid um but also it you know one of the things that it is doing on like a million levels across the country right now is that this pandemic is showing our failings as a society in terms of who we look after and who we don't and how you know in my specific situation how arts funding is distributed and who gets it you know who gets to be an artist during this time and who literally can't for tons of reasons and you know some of the great theatres there and it's all you know big names lots of very um acclaimed white people basically you know it's it's like the same old suspects and yeah. and that's actually one of the things that's proving really interesting I'm really glad that I have the comparative angle to my studies all along because not that Germany doesn't have its own problems um but in terms of arts funding the two countries are very different and um you know in the UK I think lots of makers are really relying on borrowing money and their incomes are really precarious and many will be really feeling the lack of the fringe this year mm. whereas in Germany I, I, I don't want to generalize but funding is a lot more long term and stable often so there hasn't been that hasn't felt like there's been that same like panicked rush towards finding other means in theatre at least if that makes sense 
Yeah. No, um, whereas, you know, I, I was speaking to some theatre companies a couple of weeks ago who were like asking me what I thought, like how, ba- how best I thought they should put their work online. Like how, how could it work? What would be effective? Blah, blah, blah. Because they wanted to be able to show the arts council that they'd still tried to do something. So they'd still get the last bit of their funding. Um, and you just shouldn't have to be doing that right now, do you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, which is a long-winded way around to say that things are unfair and this just makes things even more unfair, <laughs> I yeah. guess. It's, it's really interesting, um, the differences culturally with Germany and just the, the, the stability, I guess, and the value, the cultural value of arts as mm-hmm. some, and people who make art as people that you invest in. Um, and that you sustain sort of systematically and it just strikes me as something that we would do well to to imitate um or to try and emulate moving forward um definitely in some ways yeah yeah um as a sort of tangent to that uh, (laughs) I'm asking not a very smooth one but hey um I'm asking everyone if they've found any unexpected benefits to working differently so either on their research or just just working from home um and if there are any practices or lessons that you think you'll carry forward into how you work I'm not going to say at the end of this because that feels a bit too sort of fatalist mm-hmm. but, but moving yeah. forward I think when this is over <laughs> it is I'll just be really grateful anytime I ever get to work at a coffee shop <laughs> oh god yeah. um I I did get um an emergency desk from Ikea at the start because I didn't have a desk in our flat that I could work on and it's in our room next to the window and actually it's pretty nice so I guess I'll probably still work here in the future (laughs) I always thought I wouldn't want a desk in our bedroom and I was never asked to put it and actually I quite like it so that's you know (laughs) a good thing to know but I wouldn't say I felt any any real benefits no sadly I don't it's not been like terrible no but but I'm really missing access to the library. It's yeah. been a big issue. I just, you know, just at this stage of research, there's not a digital version of the book via our library. And then to buy it on Amazon is like 70 quid and it's Amazon. So I'm yes. like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do about that then? Oh, man. I think the only benefits I've got is I've realised a lot of food items that I spend quite frankly ridiculous amounts of money on are an entire scam like hummus why have I ever bought hummus in my life takes like 10 minutes and yeah. costs like five a pot like I mean I'd like to say I'm going to carry that forward I don't think I am um, <laughs> we'll see I mean next time I see you buying hummus I'll be like drop it <laughs> wheel it in I'm also asking people for tv shows podcast recs that kind of thing um I also thought I should tell you that I finally watched A Simple Favour and (gasps) you told me it was true (laughs) it's not safe for work uh but uh I don't know I'm just what have I been doing honestly couldn't tell you uh oh no I've been playing The Sims that's the sad truth of the matter and otherwise I have no idea oh I've been doing Catch to 5k uh who am I so (laughs) I love that. I historically hate running. <laughs> but that is that is what this pandemic boredom has driven me. It's like the um stock imagery of pop. It is. <laughs> Do you know what it I mean? is. It really is. It's like getty images for I love it. Yeah. 
obsessed and I like when another one starts and I'm like oh are they trying to rip off sexy back I think they might be yeah and like and that's quite a nice distraction from the hell that is otherwise exercise I swear they sampled Dappy at one point as well yeah no I actually think I know the one you mean um yeah, yeah there's a one that's like a, definitely a big Lily Allen ripoff one that's definitely a big King Leon ripoff so yeah I quite like uh thinking about who on earth made that song happen whilst like <laughs> <laughs> my favorite podcast you guys fast <laughs> yeah. of culture and that is the couch 5k soundtrack so <laughs> excellent um have you resorted to making sourdough and no. if so have you managed to find any wholemeal flour no and uh, no um <laughs> i don't think i have like it's quite revealing isn't it what people want to do Mm. with their time and I'm definitely I find out that I'm not homely <laughs> like that you know My, I've not got that kind of nesting impulse you are okay. the single best person to talk to about plant care yeah one I know <laughs> that's my one skill <laughs> I have killed every single plant in the house that's not a lie like even well, like since the pandemic yeah and I've got to look after some other people's plants succulents and non-succulents this is how rubbish I am at looking after plants um <laughs> any tips for people like me yeah. who are stuck uh, inside with plants and don't know what yeah. to do with <laughs> I think us being stuck inside with the plants is the worst thing for them <laughs> honestly <laughs> because when you're bored you just chuck your half drunk cup of water in your nearest plant which is yeah. <laughs> an understandable impulse but don't do it because you know normally you'd be out the house and they'd have at least 12 hours a day respite from you doing that whereas now we're at home all the time so I think we're just overwatering them a lot because I've heard a lot of people say they've killed their plants during this pandemic and I think you just need to you know show them a bit less love <laughs> for a time like leave them alone for a week socially <laughs> um, distance from your plants yeah I think you know it's quite easy to forget to water them when you have a busy life that's not locked in your but you're probably watering them like a hundred times more than you would have been so that's true yeah give them a break <laughs> I will I will um any artists or musicians that you want to plug whose work you want to give a shout out because you also oh wear a music journalist hat yes um, I do I, oh, all of them um okay cool well actually I think a good thing is the whole music industry like most artists income in the music industry is dependent on touring streaming is famously not lucrative uh, and no one buys albums anymore so if you want to support a musician that you like you should probably try and buy their record old school I know but it's worth thought and um it's a really amazing platform for buying and selling music is doing one day every month I can't remember when but it will say on the website that they give they don't even take the cut from the sale so say you buy a record for a tenner that entire tenner will go to the artist rather than it being like nine pound fifty goes to them and 50p goes to the website do you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. they're like a very good ethical artist first platform (laughs) we will plug that and pop it in the show notes um last question before I give you a final update um Mm. we're asking everyone and I I know I said I wasn't going to be fatalistic and I don't want it to be, and I'm not going to put when, um, when, you know, things lessen or social distancing or restrictions become a bit easier. What is, other than working in a coffee shop, what are you most looking forward to doing? Um, actually going swimming. Ooh, 
I don't know why because I don't swim very often lots of dreams about swimming so uh I know and I want to have a pint outside with yes. my friends <laughs> same hopefully we'll have submitted by then well though I might just save finishing for a later date <laughs> at this point yeah no I know what you mean be sad to finish inside by yourself so I know I know Oh, no. Actually, no. If my supervisors are listening, <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> um, today, you know, I feel cheated if I hand it in and then go back to playing The Sims. That's not the life and, I want. <laughs> so. And you also want memorably told me that when you submit, you want a brass band to follow you in. And Did I say that? Yeah, you said that you wanted a, bl- a brass band playing Robin yeah. to follow you <laughs> into George Square. I would take that. Up- <laughs> I know you've got to hop back onto the theatre. Oh, I do actually, yeah. So I will let you go. But thank you so, so much for coming to chat with me. Thank Um, you for having me. It's been great. Thank you so, so much.